Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Oh yes, Dan Housen here. Very nice, very evil, very famous. Here to tell you that you, hopefully, are listening to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Yes, it is a wonderful mix of wrestling history, discussion, and comedy. Yes, very good. Isn't that nice? Well, anyways, if you're not listening to it, how do you hearing Dan Housen say this right now? But nevertheless, if you're not listening to the We Can't Wrestle podcast, you're cursed. <laughs> Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. This week, it is the Brothers Max, and I'm Nate, and this is Aaron. Hello, everybody. And it is just the two of us this week on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. We are glad to be back, though. It's been a minute, I know, but we've got, you know, real shoot jobs, and we've got like 64 other podcasts now. We've kind of yeah. created, we kind of created a monster here, so. But we will be getting more consistent again in doing the We Can't Wrestle podcast. And it is WrestleMania season. And as you know, during WrestleMania season every year, we do some a lot of WrestleMania-themed episodes. And I figured leading up to WrestleMania this year, since it's WrestleMania 38, this week we'll do WrestleMania 8 from 30 years ago. Next week we'll do WrestleMania 18. And then hopefully, maybe, we can even fit in an episode talking about WrestleMania 28 from a decade ago. Yes. But uh, that being said, and before we get into WrestleMania 8, which, by the way, I have fond feelings in my heart for this WrestleMania. Yes, um, great one. I would be remiss if I did not say, please, if you're not a member yet, join our Facebook group. Just search for the We Can't Wrestle podcast on Facebook. We are there, and uh, you can join us for conversation, all kinds of fun. Sometimes we do free giveaways. Other times it's just, you know, shooting the shit about wrestling or sharing funny memes or whatever. You know how Facebook groups work. Ours, I think, is one of the better ones, so please do join that. And check out all the other shows on the WrestleNet Radio Podcast Network, which is also available on Facebook. Just search WrestleNet Radio Podcast Network. Actually, I think if you search WrestleNet Radio, you'll find it. That being said, let's get this started. It is 
WrestleMania, unless there was anything else you wanted to say. Yeah. Let's get this show on the road. All right. WrestleMania 8, Indianapolis, Indiana at the Hoosier Dome, not too far away from us. We've been to many wrestling shows in Indy, never at the Hoosier Dome. Or, I don't know, I think it's called something stadium now for the Colts. But um, the Hoosier Dome, Indianapolis, an audience of 62,167, which, of course, Gorilla Monsoon at the beginning has to say, yes, close to 70,000 in attendance because that's the WWF. Yes. You know, you got you got to round up way up in the WWF back then with the attendance figures, but that's all right. was like probably like there was actually 42,000 people. Yeah. Paid, paid. Uh, 15,662 comp blase, blase, blase. And then he was probably wrong anyway. So right. yeah. How many people <laughs> paid to come watch you work, buddy? <laughs> with your subscriber base of 5,000. Good job, Dave. Good job. Anyways, uh, some notes, some things to note leading up to this WrestleMania that I had written down here. This is uh, in the beginning, in the midst of, in the beginning of the the unfortunate sex scandals for the World Wrestling Federation. Also, attendance is down at this time. Uh, the WWS popularity, wrestling's popularity in general, was kind of waning in the country, and. Uh, I also have down here, this is a, almost, a, it's a tra- kind of a transitional WrestleMania. Yes. Um, this one this and one nine are both part of a transitional period in the WWF, but it's fun to watch anyway, especially because this was, this was actually the first WrestleMania I got to see live, like not later on on Coliseum video or whatever. Yeah. I went to my, went to my buddy Paul's house and watched this one. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, and I, and I know, like you said, it's like a transitional period or whatever. But I put on my notes that that in like ninety one, ninety two was kind of like the all star team of the eighties territory territory yeah. era. You know what I it mean? It was it was the eighty swan song for yeah. the, for the eighties in professional wrestling. Yes, most definitely. Like all um, the holdouts that didn't want to go finally went. Because they know mm-hmm. like, this might be it. I need funny. <laughs> and you're kind of transitioning because of because of the stuff coming up with steroids and everything too, by hook or by crook, whether forced or artistically, a changing in the style. Yeah. Also, um, you know, you're you're starting to get. We'll get to it in the show, but you're starting to get to the rise of Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart and uh, the phasing out of Hulk Hogan and people like him. Yeah. So. A very interesting time, a very interesting WrestleMania here for the World Wrestling Federation. The show starts out, of course, with Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon introducing us to WrestleMania. You know, it's funny because you think of them, they were a fantastic commentary duo, but WrestleMania 7 and 8 are actually the only ones they called together. Yeah, Ironically, I also said that I kind of put it, and I could be wrong, but and I know there's other pay per views and stuff like that, but I think this might be the last big Bobby Gorilla announce group, or or, yeah, I don't say group, but like the last like huge event that they called together. Unless you count, do you count Rumble '93 as a huge event? Well, yeah, I mean. 
But you're right, though. They didn't. Vince and Bobby called SummerSlam '92, and I think Vince and Bobby called Survivor Series '92. Also, I think. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So, but it was it was definitely this was probably their last huge show they called together. Um, and like I said, only one of two WrestleManias, as as synonymous as they are as a team, they only called two WrestleManias together. Of course, they're more famous for prime time and challenge anyway, but you know what I mean. Yeah. But we open up with them, and then here to sing America the Beautiful for the Star Spangled Banner, Reba McIntyre. And after Reba sings the national anthem, the next person out to shoot is El Matador, Tito Santana, and one of the great WrestleMania commentary lines of all time, Bobby Heenan says he thinks Reba McIntyre is Tito Santana's sister. <laughs> Gorilla says, Gorilla says, what? And he goes, you know, Ariba McIntyre. One of the great WrestleMania lines of all time. Yes. And <laughs> um, on, on Reba McIntyre, like, I'm not saying Reba McIntyre is my cup of tea, but she's very talented. But I noticed she doesn't have an upper lip. I did not notice that. I noticed she had huge hair, but oh, it was yeah. the early nineties. Everybody did, but yeah, it's like I've always I just and then I look back to some other pictures. I'm like, Reba has no upper lip. <laughs> well, the match that is next it is Tito Santana doing the El Matador gimmick versus Shawn Michaels, a freshly turned Freshly out of the rockers, Shawn Michaels. He's not even the heartbreak kid yet. He's he's not even singing his own music yet. The chin music isn't even his finishing maneuver yet. Side suplex. Yes, and Shawn, of course, comes to the ring with his main squeeze, Sensational Sherry, and what a duo these two were. Yes, and I actually put my notes that, um, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but she's the female Bobby Heenan. Mm-hmm. She's good at everything. Good. So yes, like I said, a very, um, very young, I guess, uh, version of obviously because he's just starting out of this heel, Shawn Michaels that is going to grow into one of the biggest stars in the history of professional wrestling. Again, along with Sherry El Matador, Tito Santana, and overall, Aaron, what did you think of this matchup? Um. Actually, I really like this match. Um, I think that the El Matador gimmick was actually cool. I thought when I was a kid, I thought he mm-hmm. looked cool in the flat and the and the and the what do you call it? The uh, it's not a cape. What am I? Th- why did the name just kind of <laughs> right out of my? Um, the uh, the <laughs> you made me forget too. Let's call it a cape. <laughs> The thing you taunt the bull with, yeah, you know? and, and that was cool. And I, and like I said, I just I thought it was a neat little gimmick. And um, this is just a really good. I actually kind of tried to star the matches, and I would say this is like a three star, hell of an opening match. And it is, like we've said, or like we're gonna say a few times, I think during the show again of it being a kind of a transitional passing of the torch, almost kind of show. Tito has been to the WWF since 1983. He, um, I mean, he was there before that too, but I'm saying this run, he's been there since 83. He's been at every WrestleMania, um, been one of the bigger mid-card stars. 
and for a good coming out for Sean here in defeating defeating a, a, a well-established star. Um, the finish, of course, uh, um, Tito, they're, they're on the outside. Tito tries to bring Sean back into the ring over the top rope, um, but Sean grabs the ropes, and uh, Tito loses his balance, and then Sean takes the pin one, two, three. So he doesn't even really win with his finisher here, just kind of a fluke win for Sean, but he yeah. goes over. And, um, yeah, a good match. Like Aaron said, it was a good basic opening match. Two really good performers in the ring. Just Tito putting Sean over pretty much and uh, getting his new character over. I think, if I'm not mistaken, this was probably originally going to be Sean and Marty. But uh, you know how it goes with Marty. Yeah, Yeah. Marty being Marty. Well, after this matchup... Mean Gene Okerlund is standing in the ring, and he simply says, Here they come! And out come the Legion of Doom, who are making a return. I think they hadn't been seen since around the Royal Rumble um, at this point. And they are bringing out for the first time in the WWF. We all know he'd been with them for years. But on TV, out for the first time in the WWF, Precious Paul Ellering is with the Road Warriors. And I remember when I was watching this at, uh, what, this was 90, so at 13 years old, them coming out with Ellering. It just, this seemed very weird and out of place, I guess, for WrestleMania, because there usually weren't those those interviews that Gene would do on superstars with the crowd behind him on the stage. They didn't yeah. do that kind of stuff at WrestleMania. Yeah, and... um I think it was just because, honestly, they probably could have done it in a match. But I think Vince being Vince was probably like, well, if we bring Paul Ellering in, and the, our audience isn't going to know who the hell Paul Ellering is. You know yeah. what I mean? Just <laughs> Vince, nobody knows anything about anything unless it was in his company. Yeah. Well, they cut the promo. Um, and, uh, of course, Hawk has the line of, everybody thought we were a train going what was it train running off the tracks or out of control runaway train or whatever yeah runaway train look who's driving the train yeah and and then uh paul ellering with the from the rocking of the cradle to the rolling of the hearse and i mean it was a good promo segment um unfortunately what this is going to result in is rocco but yeah (laughs) but that's neither here nor there we're talking about wrestlemania 8 so the promo happens with the lod enough said about that and then we get a look at the recent happenings between Jake the Snake Roberts and The Undertaker. This is coolest Jake Roberts ever. I like Jake Roberts a lot, okay? I, do I love I love Jake Roberts' promos. I love Jake Roberts. But this was, for me, as a young wrestling fan, and then even as I've gotten to watch Territory Day stuff and all of that, this heel run for Jake... As much as I love a lot of the other stuff, his feud with Randy Savage, and then this thing with Undertaker is probably my favorite version of Jake Roberts. Yes. Um, that's actually in my notes, because like he's interviewed by Mooney or whatever, and he's talking about it. And he's like, the short ride, bad landing, you know, that thing when he DDT Paul Bear. Mm-hmm. In my notes, it's, is there a more talented just piece of shit than Jake Roberts? <laughs> right. <laughs> Like as a human, 
like usually if you're a trash bag human being or whatever, you're kind of a shitty all around. But it's like uh, there's not too many redeeming qualities about this guy, but he's really good at his job. Yes, yes, um, and even even that uh, even uh, Gene Okerlund says, you know, he was so convincing. I couldn't tell if he was if he was loaded or not. <laughs> you know, he 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 was a functioning at least work wise a functioning addict um, because you never could tell. I mean, I mean, obviously later years you could like the heroes of, of wrestling pay per view that we reviewed or whatever yeah. when he was way out of control. But when he was on the big stage at this time, there was almost nobody better as far as promos and psychology goes. Um, and they show the really cool stuff from that last Saturday night's main event on Fox where he's, he's planning on hitting Elizabeth as he's, she's coming through the curtain and the undertaker stops him and, yeah. and, what a cool way to turn the Undertaker face, you know. So anyway, the match itself not great. It, no, you no, still got we're st- yeah the match is terrible. We're still in the era of no selling Undertaker, so that doesn't help, and it's very slow and plodding. Um, essentially, Jake Jake uh, gets a DDT, but the Undertaker kicks out of it, um, and then eventually. Uh, Jake or the Undertaker tombstones Jake on the outside on the floor, rolls Jake in the ring and gets the one, two, three. It's probably about seven minutes long, and that was long enough. Um, two great guys, don't get me wrong, two great performers, but this match kind of stunk. And another reason this match was probably not what it could have been was because if you remember, this is the match where Jake basically held Vince up for his release. Yes. Yep. He was told he'd get the Patterson spot or whatever, and then Vince told him they weren't replacing Pat out of respect. So then Jake was just like, "Well, if this is just my station, I want out. And if you don't, if you don't let me out of my contract, I'm not going out there and working." So I don't right. think Jake was totally into it, and Taker probably knew you and was like, "Fuck this guy," you know. So all yeah, the build up, they, all the build up they did to it got fucking ruined by politics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but a, a set of circumstances leading up to this behind the scenes. Um, it makes you wonder, you know, if that was not what I want to say. If Jake, if Jake wasn't leaving, would the finish have been different? Was the feud going to continue? You know, possibly. And that's also like, <clears throat> and I know I said like Jake's a piece of shit or whatever, but for the most part, he's an honest piece of shit too. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he'll say when he did shitty things and this, that, and the other thing. Mm-hmm. It's the one time where I feel he's kind of hypocritical because he talked about how under how Warrior held Vince up for money at that SummerSlam. Yeah, and he's a piece of shit for it. And he goes, "But, but I didn't hold Vince up for money. I, I held him up for my release, so it wasn't as bad." It's like, no, you're still, you're still, yeah, you still him. held him up. You still, you still, still fucked up. with the show, and yeah, and possibly fucked with another guy's money. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, the next match on WrestleMania 8 is going to, going to be the intercontinental title match between Rowdy Roddy Piper and Bret the Hitman Hart. Before that, we get an interview segment in the back. Um, Piper talking off, uh, talking about uh, being at uh, Bret's house when he was a kid or when they were kids or whatever. And, you know, yeah. your, your, your mom would make those sandwiches. Only one piece of baloney, but I was hungry. I didn't care. Yeah, anyway. and, but, uh, oh, go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to say that 
Um, I actually like this this match and the feud, and well, it's not really a feud, but you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. this, this is this is good stuff, and um, the the Piper being the Intercontinental Champion thing is kind of like I attest it to like when they gave Foley the belt. You know what yeah, I mean? it's like like a and lifetime achievement yeah, award. Yeah, lifetime achievement award. Like when they, I think when they gave Foley the belt the first time, they probably didn't think he was ever going to have it again. He probably didn't think he was going to have it again. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was just a hey, this guy, he's a guy of the, he, he's a champion of the business. He's a champion of the boys. Let's just give him a run. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, pipe. He's never had a belt. Let's just give him one. It ain't gonna be for a long time. You know that type of thing. Yeah. And this is another of the where I referred to like a passing of the torch or a transition for the WWF because Brett had been Brett had been established, you know, he'd been established as a as a as a mid card singles guy, but kind of in a way here with Roddy holding the Intercontinental title, even though Brett was already the Intercontinental champion, beating Roddy for the belt. What I want to say, he's built. He's beating a guy who is up there with Hulk Hogan and the yeah. Ultimate Warrior and Randy Savage. You know, he is he is beating a main event level star for that title, and they have a really good match. Obviously, because Roddy is Roddy. If Roddy likes you, you're gonna get good, Roddy. Yeah. And in this match, you got great Roddy. I want to say, even though I love Roddy Piper versus Greg Valentine at Starcade '83. I think this might be my favorite Piper match. Oh, that's in my notes too. This is hand down, hands down, Piper's like best in ring match ever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like psychology, and I mean, there's good psychology in it too. But I mean, like obviously he's had like the bigger um, matches with Hogan and shit like that. But just just pure match quality. This is the best one. I agree. Um, they start the match out kind of both baby faces or kind of, kind of, you know, or both heels, whatever, just kind of dicking with each other and stuff. And then it builds and, um, the, uh, the great segment of, or the great part of the match where Roddy gets his hands on the bell and he, he grabs the bell, he holds it up over his head and the great thing, the one of those things they talk about, uh, Jim Cornette will talk about it, or Jim Ross will talk about it, whoever will talk about it, having the crowd in the palm of your hands. Yeah. Having that crowd in the palm of your hands. Like, Roddy's holding the bell and the crowd is, you know, he's looking at the crowd. Should I do it? Should I do it? And, of course, they're telling him no. Maybe some of them, like us, are yelling, yeah, crack him with the fucking bell, or whatever, but... He's playing that crowd. And and another thing that I thought about when I was watching that was another great example of that on a WrestleMania, having the crowd in the palm of your hands. And I don't want to get too deep in the weeds, but a WrestleMania seven with Jake with the blindfold deal. Yeah. Jake and Martell, you know, the fans participated in that match. And we've talked yeah. about that. We've talked about that event on the show before. And I talked about that then, but Piper, same deal here. The crowd is really into it and he is working the crowd. They're working him back. He decides not to use the bell and tosses it out of the ring. Um, and then in one of the great finishes in WrestleMania history, Piper locks on a sleeper. Brett kicks, kicks his feet off the top turnbuckle, sending them both backwards. 
Brett lands on top to get the pin and regains the Intercontinental Championship. And then there's a little tension. Piper, if I remember right, Piper takes the belt and gives it to Brett, and they hug. Mm-hmm. And the family's back together. Yes. Because Piper's always, cla- I don't know, Piper and Brett have always claimed they're cousins. I don't know if they're really cousins or not, but they've always said that. I think Piper's, it was it's probably more one of those things like the guy's a close friend of the family, so he's like a cousin, you know, that kind of a yeah. deal, because... He was a he was a close friend of the Hart family, um, but overall, um, I would give this match. If we're doing stars, I didn't write stars down, but if we're doing stars out of five, I'd give it four at least. That's exactly what I gave it. Okay. Um, and the only reason I gave it four is because, um, and it's not knocking their work or anything like that, but it's very hard to have like a five star match. And plus, when it's face face or whatever, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. All right. So the next thing here is um, Bobby Heenan has a surprise for us, and it is Lex Luger. Now, for those of you that don't know or what have you, Vince Vince McMahon in 1992. Lex Luger left WCW in February of 92. His last match was a Super Brawl in February. And he still had a year left on his contract. I think in as of... I think he had like 11 months left on his contract or something. Um, but they negotiated that he could have a release, but he couldn't wrestle anywhere, obviously, for that year or what have you. So Vince McMahon, being the genius that he is, signed... Lex to his stupid World Bodybuilding Federation. So Lex is technically at this point not a WWF superstar. He is a WBF superstar. Yes. So he is appearing on WrestleMania, but as a representative of the WBF. Yes. And it went way too long. (laughs) It sure did. (laughs) Lex drinking milk, calling Gorilla Fat, etc., etc. Yes. but that was the gist of it. There isn't a lot to. I just, I just think it's an interesting tidbit in in wrestling that that the for his first year working for Vince McMahon, Lex did not work for the WWF. He worked for the. I always call it the stupid WBF. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Stridham. That's all I remember. Gary Stridham yes. and Lex Luger. All right. Anyway, up next. We have an eight-man tag team match. Let's get everybody on WrestleMania, right? Yes. That's what this is. Um, the Nasty Boys Mountie repo promo was like, everybody, it's like, all of you are on cocaine. I know you're probably <laughs> not. You're all sitting like you're on cocaine. And then Slaughter <laughs> Virgil dug it in the boss man. And I was like, oh, this is C-Town. This is C-Town. House <laughs> team right here. Yes, it is. These guys are all very familiar with working with each other at this point. Yes. Um, what a what do I want to say? One of the things that stands out to me in this confrontation or this matchup is what a fall from grace for Sarge, huh? Well, I, the year I'm... before he was in the main event of WrestleMania. And now he's in this throwaway ta- eight-man tag team match 
with all the gimmicks in it. You know, I'm just saying, well, like, well, I don't know if I'd consider it a fall from grace. I think it was just, how do I don't say it? Like, I think, like, when I think of like a fall from grace, I think of like somebody that did something dumb or, yeah, maybe had, I were, I used the wrong, all there, had it all there and just draw and just, fucked it all up i guess i used the wrong yeah i used the wrong turn of phrase i don't know what i meant then but what a i don't know slaughter at this time he's he's in this match and everything and he's working and all that shit but he's he's already in his behind the scenes role and doing you know what i mean he's Mm -hmm. a he's a working coach he's a he's a player coach at this point right you know what i'm saying yeah well ray combs is here from the family feud and Making terrible jokes at the expense of the heels, of course. Um, what, an I didn't... Insane, what an insane retirement rate from life Ray Combs had. Jesus Christ. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> you guys don't know. Read, look it up. Good Lord. <laughs> um, I didn't write down any of his jokes. I really didn't write much down about this match. The baby faces go over. It's about six minutes. Um, that tells you what you need to know. It's an eight-man tag team match that goes six minutes. So not not everybody well, didn't even get a minute. <laughs> like I said, I don't even want to knock. Like how do I say it? Like Ray Combs went out crazy, but he was also when he was alive though he was a he was a friend of the business. Yep, you know I mean? he didn't insult it. He, he didn't, and he was he was an entertaining game show host. Yeah, and like I said, he didn't like. He'd have the wrestlers on there, even the WCW guys and shit like that. And he didn't like tongue and cheek them or humiliate them or make them seem stupid or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'll give Combs props for that. And Bobby Heenan actually says, well, I shouldn't say actually says something funny. Bobby says something really funny in this fucking thing. His Virgil's wearing the nose guard or whatever. Did you hear what he said about him? I don't think so. He said, look at Virgil out there. He looks like a, he looks like a spotted owl. <laughs> I did I did write down that the the Mountie was like during what did I hold on let me go back in my notes here because I kind of skipped over it because I think we started talking about slaughter or whatever um where is it I actually did my notes on my phone this time and not on a notebook um oh he uh he said Mountie says something about hard uh boss man and hard serving hard time. You know, you say you're gonna serve hard time. He actually says, the only person that will be serving serving tonight is Virgil. And I <laughs> thought that didn't age well, Jacques. No. That did not age well. <laughs> what a great I know Pete he's one of those guys that like nobody liked him. Like a lot of people didn't like Jacques Rougeau. Mm-hmm. And I get it, but he was a fucking talented dude, man. He was. And the Mountie gimmick is great. Yeah. People can shit on it all they want. It's a great gimmick. And he did a great job with it. The only time, the only thing that to me, the only time that that gimmick was, I could tell that gimmick had jumped the shark was then when they gave him like the gigantic shock stick. Yeah. And it was, you know, the sound was overly animated and blah, blah. That got, you know, at that point, you're like, all right, it's time. And and he, he transitioned it to the Quebecers, and that was a great tag team. So, yeah. Up next, we have, in my opinion, I'm sure a lot of people be like, oh, your opinion, everybody would say this probably. Maybe not. But in my opinion, one of the top five matches in WrestleMania history. 
Um, It is Ric Flair defending the WWF Championship against the Macho Man Randy Savage. And notice I didn't say the Nature Boy Ric Flair, everybody, because in the WWF, he was not referred to as the Nature Boy. I don't think they ever referred to him as the Nature Boy. Maybe when he first, like when Bobby first started talking about him. I, I don't even know about then. I think they just referred to him as Bobby just called him real world's champion, Ric Flair. I don't think they ever called him the nature boy in the WWF that I remember. I'd have to go back and now I'm not saying he never wore a robe that said it. Yeah. But I'm saying on commentary in the presentation of the show, I don't think they ever called him that. I don't know why, you know, but anyway, it's a, that's a very, very silly little point for me to make but I'd have to go back and look it up but uh but, Savage looked pimp and like that like <laughs> yeah he did <laughs> and he is uh th- this feud it's funny because when this whole thing started it was it was almost it was almost underwhelming as you're watching at this time in 1992 without the hindsight without the rose colored glasses to look back on it at the time Aaron knows I know anybody that was a wrestling fan at this time knows the main event for WrestleMania 8 is going to be Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair yeah there's no way it's not going to be Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair it's the match everybody wants to see for 10 years and then they're like nope it's Ric Flair and the Macho Man Randy Savage, and you're like, "What?" But you know what? They it's it's it was better that way. Hindsight, yeah. And they, what yeah. a rivalry! Yeah, no, like I didn't draw in Los Angeles, so nobody's gonna want to see it. Like <laughs> whatever. But like you said, hindsight, it's a it's it was match wise, it was it was much better than what you would have got with Hogan and Hogan and Flair. And I love this rivalry, and I love this storyline. And this was very, this storyline was very, very not, or what I want to say, some of the parts of this storyline were very, very not Vince style for this time. Like, yeah. I know that you, they got a little bit out there with Randy and Hogan and Liz, but this was pretty much like, Essentially, I've been—I was fucking your wife before you were fucking your wife. I mean, it was like, <laughs> and of course, at the end of the day, it all turns out that Ric Flair was using a, obviously a very, a very early version of Photoshop. Yes. <laughs> but Rick was saying that he had been—he had dated uh, Liz before she, she dated Randy. And you know what I always thought was funny though, or I think is funny now in hindsight. Okay, so if she was with Rick, Liz, or if she was with Rick before she was with Randy, that would have been in like eighty three, eighty four. So, but then in the pictures, Rick looks like this. Yeah, like <laughs> you know what I mean. It's like, uh, but that's the WWF, and that was it. Was what it was. It was still cool. It was still a cool storyline, and it gave Randy the opportunity to beat the fuck out of Ric Flair. That was the point, right? Yeah. And, uh, um, perfect. He does a great job in this being the antagonist manager. And, 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 um, like Bobby, Ric Flair, and Mr. Perfect. Fucking awesome. Like awesome. Mm -hmm. I wish 
like, I don't know, those three guys together, it's like, could you get, like, three more talented dudes? Right. <laughs> and then, like, you know, sometimes you look at a group and you're like, okay, I get it, you know. Like, one of them might seem out of place or <clears throat> or whatever. But it's like, a really good group is when you can actually know, like, in real life, these guys would hang out together. Yep. And, and in real like, if it was real, if wrestling was real... Mr. Perfect, Bobby Heenan, and Ric Flair would all have gravitated towards each other. Like, these Absolutely. three guys would be best fucking friends. And they would, they would, um, what do I say? They would, yes, you're right. They would, they would hang together. They would be the best of friends. Now, they wouldn't at all ever completely trust each other, but, <laughs> but. <laughs> When it when it comes to everybody else around them, I trust these two guys more than I trust everybody else. And Aaron knows I was so excited when we were at Heroes and Legends last time around that I was able to find the classic Jacks three three uh, three pack that I've been looking for forever of Bobby Perfect and uh, and Ric Flair together. And you're right; it's funny because it's one of the greatest factions in wrestling history. It lasted what a little bit over a year and during their time they were a faction only one of them wrestled yeah but it's still one of the greatest factions in wrestling history yes it's like these three guys belong together mm-hmm. and if you would have like added another person you'd be like eh, get rid of that guy if they would have been like oh rick martell's with them too be like no eh, get out of here. these three guys <laughs> Well, again, this these guys have what I would consider a... I, I don't know that I can find a flaw in this match, so I would actually give it five stars. Um, I gave it four I, and a half, and I'll tell you why when you get there. Okay. Or if you want me to tell you, I can tell you. No, now. go ahead. Go ahead, because the only other thing I was going to cover really was the finish. So, um, The reason I gave it four and a half is there's one spot, and Flair fucked it up. It was Flair's fault. It's it's when he hits the guardrail, Flair obvious like I don't know if it's guardrail or what. I, I can't remember. It is. It's it's the rail. He gets but he gets head off the rail and thrown back in the ring, and, and you obviously see him blade. And I, I and usually sometimes when I see it, I'm like, oh, the camera guy should have known what he was doing. Like he blatantly he wasn't supposed to blade though. No, he wasn't. And and and. He wasn't supposed to, but he like he obviously did it, and it's just like, ugh. That's the only critique I have of this match. And then one of the other highlights of this match is, and I, I don't, you probably didn't write it down because you're not as um much of a pervert as me. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. Like, um, Liz had always been a beautiful woman. Don't get me wrong, okay, but Liz was like wine. You know what I mean? Like, even, like, when she got to WCW, it's like, she's hotter in WCW than she was in the WWF. But, like, me now as a 38-year-old man, Liz in that purple dress, I was like, good lord. <laughs> All the way live. Oh, <laughs> you looking fine, Liz. <laughs> before, before the feud, I just said it out loud through me lips. Before this feud, and, and you, you can... In any of his promos before he came to the WWF, 
Did Flair ever say that that a woman was all the way live, like in an NWO promo, or was you during mean, the? You mean an NWA promo? Yeah, he, said NWA promo. he probably said it about. He probably said it about woman. Okay, because this is just he when he first when he's talking about the. I just remember in one of the segments when he's talking about the magazine spread or whatever, or the pictures that he has of Elizabeth. He says she looks all the way. She's looking all the way live. I was like. Is that the first time he ever said it? Because then we, everybody, every man in the wrestling world took that phrase. You know what I mean? We all use it. We're like, Trish was all the way live. And I'm just like, was that, was that the beginning when the, during this, during this, I, you I'm know. probably pretty sure he probably said it about woman at some point. Um, and, I, like, and, and that's like, I don't say it. Like, I don't think Flair he might tell me, oh, you're crazy. But I don't think Flair ever, and I'm not going to say Flair ever cheated on his wife. Obviously, he cheated on his wives. But I don't think Flair ever cheated with an actual female in the business. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Like, like I know him and Sherry were buddies, and, and they joke, and they flirtatious in real life and shit like that. But I don't think he ever, like, banged Sherry. You know what I mean? Right. I don't even think he probably even ever thought, hey, I want to bang Sherry. And obviously he didn't think that way about Elizabeth. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or Flair would and, and or and that's why part of it me part of me thinks that because if that ever happened, everybody in wrestling would have known it. You know what I mean? And there's mm-hmm. no way that Randy Savage would have let this fucking storyline go on with Liz. You know what I mean? So, so you, don't, you don't you don't think you don't think he uh I mean, he married her later in life. You don't think he was porking Fifi in 93? I think, so. I think he was probably flirting with her and shit, but I don't think he did. Mm. But I'm saying all this because I, I like I think he was professional enough to know, you know, you don't dip your pen in the company ink. Right. And this is what I'm going to say. I think he said it about woman because of all the chicks that he was with in the wrestling business. I think he really wanted to get one. Oh, yeah. That was his favorite part. You know what I mean? That was his favorite one. Like, if I could do it, I would do it. But that's Kevin's woman, you know, and him and Kevin were tight and shit like that. But, like, I think he's, like, like when he's like, oh, baby doll out here, the perfect 10, and, and Dark Journey, and, and Liz, and all that, I think he was playing it up, you know, and friends mm-hmm. with them. But I think when he's like, woman, oh, woman, won't you marry me now? Good Lord, look at her. Like, yeah, that was, was He was dead serious. He was shooting on that shit. Like, good lord. The finish the finish of this match, uh, Randy kind of throws R- Rick's cheating ways back in his uh back in his face by rolling up with the schoolboy. Of course, like we like I said, flare blades during this match, like Aaron alluded to. Savage gets the one, two, three, and then after the match, Rick Flair plants his lips on Liz's lips, as he would call them, your hot sweet lips, or however he puts it. Um, and which makes obviously Randy Savage go insane. And we'll get to that later in the promo. One of my favorite promos of all time is coming yeah. up. But um, like I said, overall, I love this match. And uh, Randy wins the WWF title, which not only did none of us expect the main event for WrestleMania to not be Flair and Hogan, and it wasn't. We also 
didn't expect Randy Savage to beat Ric Flair for the title at WrestleMania. I remember even at 13, me and my buddy talking about it going, oh, Randy's going to go crazy and get disqualified or something. There's no way he's winning the title. Ric Flair just won it. like in the middle of the show. Yeah. Yeah. But that was not to be, and Randy Savage is the new WWF champion at this point. And now... Oh, go ahead. Were you going to say something? Oh, I was just gonna, like, to me, this is the main event, and it should have been the last match, but it's fucking Hogan and Vince Big Dickin. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we get uh, we get a promo, an angry Ric Flair and Kurt Henning and Bobby Heenan, and uh, go ahead, Aaron. You look like you had something to say. <laughs> it's funny because like they have. <laughs> <laughs> they have their set, you know what I mean? Like the locker room set or whatever behind them. With the pay phones and the... Yeah, the pay. The, it's funny you brought up the pay phone. Because if you notice, like, they're all upset and everything, and they're supposed to be in this locker room, this locker room setting, and Bobby gets mad, and he smacks his towel up against the pay phone, and then the pay phone moves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh shit. I get I get I mean I've watched this show so many times when I watched it quick for the for the show here I didn't you know you think you've got I've got it all memorized I'm just watching it to refresh my brain a little bit but I even think to look I didn't even think to look for that I remember that yeah That's <laughs> not to mention not to mention you look back on it now and you're like wow all those locker rooms looked so similar back then cuz they would just have the, they would just take that locker room set to every Every pay per view or whatever. Bobby Bobby was so mad that he or that he either he was so mad or that tie had so much starch in it. <laughs> I was gonna say that was that that was that thick Egyptian cotton it, that it moved the payphone. <laughs> All right, and then of course uh, after that promo, we get a uh, a video about Sid, and he's crazy now with Harvey Whippleman. He is Psycho Sid heading into the match. With Hulk Hogan, um, Rick Martel. Being going to talk about Sid blowing up that that barbicel all over his face. <laughs> eh, true, he goes crazy on the barber shop <laughs> and blows up some barbicel. And it wasn't you; it was not supposed to happen, but it happening made it even better. Because mm-hmm. it's like, oh my god, he doesn't even care. He's got Barbacel all over. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Anyway. The, the greatest thing about Psycho Sid, the character Psycho Sid, and that I think we've talked about it before, but that's what Vince McMahon, that's where Vince McMahon's a genius. Because he was like, half the time this guy's promos, he goes way off in the fucking strat- stratosphere. You don't know what he's talking about things happen like he some like this thing you know like this kind of a thing yeah. shit like this happens to this guy and it just adds to his character it yeah, makes and, him look and, even and, more psycho and honestly i think probably uh, how do i say it i guarantee that vince mcmahon before they signed sid had probably never seen a sid beauty promo he had probably only seen clips of whatever anybody wanted him to see but saw this guy and was like jesus christ look at him you know what i mean mm-hmm. 
And then when he heard him talk, he's like, oh. Oh, because he wanted him to be the new Hogan. Yeah. And and Sid was even like, I, I, I don't want to be the new Hogan. <laughs> and I don't think it was that Sid didn't want the Hogan money or anything, but I think Sid was probably like, ooh, I don't think I can be the next Hogan. I don't you know think I mean? can be, yeah. be the best heel you got. Like, <laughs> no, I don't want to be Hogan. And plus, Sid did not want that responsibility. He wanted mm-hmm. to be able to be home when he could be home and whatever. Play softball. Yeah, do whatever, be with his kids and shit like that. But it's like when he when I think when I first fucking heard those promos, everybody else was like, see what you got, Vince, see what you bought. And Vince was like, What do you mean? He's psycho. He's insane. He doesn't even know what he's saying. Like nobody yeah. nobody booked Sid Vicious like Vince McMahon. Nope. Nobody. Well, up next, we get a promo from Rick Martell talking about his match coming up with the Tonka. Talk about... Uh, One thing. Is mm-hmm. The the Lumbee Indians come out. And oh, yes, dancing. they do. They're doing their thing. And Gorilla Monsoon's like, look out there at the Lumbee Indians. And Bobby Heenan's like, yeah, look at all those Lumpy Indians out there. <laughs> <laughs> and then Rick Martell cuts a promo... Again, much like uh, Jock Rousseau's line from earlier, this promo doesn't necessarily age well, but it has some good uh, old-fashioned Henny Youngman-style jokes in there, like, I have some reservations about, yes, things like that. But Uh, Don't forget the (laughs) best. I like the reservations one, but my favorite one, he's like, and then I saw Tatanka outside scalping tickets. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Well, there's not a lot to say about the match. Tatanka, Tatanka goes over. Um, again, once again, another match where you've got a newer guy that's come in. Um, and, I mean, he's just like maybe maybe like a week or two before this, they've kind of dropped calling him Tatanka Chris Chavis. He's very new to the company. Um, but, again, being getting put, getting put over by a veteran here. Mm-hmm transitioning, you know, from Rick Martell, who had been there since, what, 87. Um, and I'm not saying Martell's, hey, he kind of is on his way out at this point. Um, now he's, 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 he, he's around a little longer. He's, he's, there, just, he's, he's up there until at least, like, right at the beginning of, like, 96. Yeah, well, he, he but he becomes, like, he becomes, like, crushed, like, one of those guys that's kind of in and out. Yeah. Like he's he's not full time, I guess, or he's not on TV every week like he would have been, you know. But yeah, I know what you're saying. I mean, he was around. I know he was, you know, in ninety four, him and Razor are the last two in the Intercontinental Battle Royal. Um but anyway. Martel's the guy putting Virgil over on the Sea Town fucking house show. Well, and after this he goes over to wrestle Sean at SummerSlam. So um anyways, after that we get some interviews. The Natural Disasters and the WWF Tag Team Champions, Money Incorporated, who are going to have a matchup here. The Natural Disasters were uh, screwed over by their manager, Jimmy Hart. He took the money <laughs> from Ted DiBiase. I want to make a note, or I have a note here. I do not like the Natural Disasters as baby faces. It doesn't work. Yeah. 
I get, I get it. I thought you were just gonna say you didn't like the natural disaster. Oh no, 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 no! I think they're, I think they're a great monster heel tag team. I say, how do you not like Earthquake? That dude was the shit. <laughs> no, I just, I don't like him. At, like they even get to the point during their babyface run where they're where they come down and they make them smile, like they're smiling and slapping hands and stuff. And I'm just like, oh god, that's bad. <laughs> if you're fat and ugly, you should just be fat and ugly and be exactly. <laughs> Nobody wants to see you smile, fatty. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what it's going to be. It's going to be the WWF Tag Titles, Money Incorporated, and the Natural Disasters. Um, you know, you didn't know it at the time, right? I know you didn't, and I didn't, because we weren't smart, quote unquote. We both knew wrestling was a show, but we weren't smart, smart. We weren't dirt sheet readers or anything at this time. I'm in my early teens. Aaron isn't even in his teens yet, but you didn't know it at the time. Ted DiBiase was teaming up with IRS because his back was all fucked up. Yeah. A tag team schedule was going to be much better for Ted at this point. Um, So they put him with Mike Rotunda as money incorporated. Um, The only time I hate to say it because wasn't a terrible wrestler or anything like that, but it's the only time that I enjoy Like, that IRS character is the only thing that Mike Rotunda ever did that I enjoy. Me too. It, and again, like you said. And I want to say, like, okay, the Varsity Club was cool because he was with people. And, he, I mean? and within something like that, he can be the good wrestler. Yeah. But him on his own, like, I've watched, like, Mike Rotunda promos where he was just – the Florida heavyweight champion. I'm like, Oh my God. (laughs) If if a Triscuit was a person, it would be Mike Rotundo. It's, I don't know how much like early eighties, mid Atlantic you watch, but watching Bob for some reason in like 80, 82 ish, they were the Crockett's were really trying to push Mike Rotunda. Like he was all over that mid Atlantic show. And there would be like some episodes of that show where fucking poor old uncle Bob Cottle would have to interview Mike Rotunda like two or three times. The dude would be out there and Cottle's, you know, and Cottle's holding that. And Cottle's like Gene, you know, like if he sees somebody's getting off the rails or whatever, he's, he's good at pulling them, like saying yeah. something to pull the interview back together. He would just sit there with that big ass microphone of his, and Mike Rotunda would just be holding his belt, going, "You know what? You know what? I wrestled at Syracuse, and when I wrestled at Syracuse, my coach t- and it's just like, oh my god, is this ever gonna fucking end?" And Bob Cottle looks like he's going, "Jesus Christ, is this ever gonna fucking he's end?" Probably, and they're <laughs> he's probably falling asleep. I mean. He's like- <laughs> 65 then, and then he puts <laughs> fucking Triscuit in front of him. He's just like, Ugh, I'm dozing off and shit. <laughs> he's Mike's like, I have, I have, I have more. He's like, I oh, have no, more. Oh, yeah, I'm here. I have, I have a more interesting time interviewing enhancement talent, talent uh, Mike Siebert than I do this guy. Jesus Christ. Like well, said, anyway. Anyway, go ahead. There's not a lot to say about this match, tag team title match. Um, DiBiase and, and IRS pretty much sell for the disasters for about eight minutes, and then DiBiase and uh, I, it is funny when 
<laughs> DiBiase gets knocked down at one spot and he rolls out and he just grabs that fucking belt and he's gone. Like IRS kind of takes his lead. <laughs> Ted DiBiase made that look so realistic. Like he was really just like, I'm fucking done with this yeah, shit. I'm out of here. He can't do nothing with these fat fucks. <laughs> he just bounced. So they just grab their belts and go. And then natural disasters hey, win. Um, something that even as a like as a kid, I didn't even think about it. And then the older I got, I thought about it more. Like you know, they talk about like, oh, if you lose, you don't get the you don't get the winner's purse money, which is something they don't talk about in wrestling that they should now. But like mm-hmm. you know, they talk about like, oh, if you lose, you don't you still get paid, but you don't get paid as much. You know, like. I think the gimmick with Money Inc. being willing to take the loss wasn't even just that they got to keep their belts. It was like we get to keep our belts, but Ted didn't give a shit because he was a millionaire. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't need the winner's purse. I don't need the winner's purse. I got the. I'm a millionaire. Yeah, fucking winning at professional wrestling is just Ted DiBiase's mad money. Yeah, it's just me wanting to be a dick. I wrote down two funny things about this. The next match is very short. Um, it is the Rocket Owen Hart versus Skinner. Yes. Steve Kern. And one of the things that I wrote down here that I thought was funny was like, I didn't uh, put two and two together, but here comes Owen Hart out to the Heavenly Bodies music. <laughs> and then also uh, in this match, Skinner does, and I laughed. I laughed so hard. I laughed so hard every time I see it because I think this <laughs> this is like one of the most piece of shit moves in the history of pro wrestling. When he does that backflip and blows it in his face. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, we have, you know, there's the green mist and stuff. People have had stuff thrown in their face, uh, you know, all the time. But for Skinner to spit the tobacco <laughs> in Owen's face. <laughs> And Owen sells it great. He's like, oh. <laughs> who doesn't sell it great is the commentators. Like it just happens, and they don't even like mention it really. Yeah, like the whole story of this match is like, yeah, it's just, the, the the whole thing was rushed and just I don't know, just seemed out of place. I would have much rather seen Steve Kern and Owen Hart have like a ten minute match. Then mm-hmm. watch that fucking eight man bag. Yeah. Yeah. And they, I did read, um, uh, a while back. I don't know what I was even reading it for, but I read an article about wrestling. I think it was, um, I was trying to find out why Davey and, um, Berserker wasn't on the show, but also a couple of the things on here, the reason the eight man tag was so short, the reason this was so short, was they 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 essentially booked this like they had booked prior WrestleManias where they threw a bunch of matches on the show, kind of threw matches together. And then hindsight, most WrestleManias were over three hours long. This yeah. one, they wanted to be under three hours. So a lot of stuff got cut down in time. Um, but yeah, essentially, uh, this match is about, probably what, about 90 seconds um, I think, I think, uh, the whole match, they don't even talk, like you said, they don't talk about the match. They talk about Sid and Hogan. Yeah. And, uh, 
Skinner tosses Owen over the top, but uh, Owen skins the cat back behind Skinner's back and executes the O'Connor roll for the win. And uh, rolls up Skinner, wins the match, and uh, that's that for Owen Hart's second WrestleMania. Yes. Um, And I think Steve Kern's only WrestleMania. Well, no. No? Yeah, he's at WrestleMania 9. Hmm. Touche. Yes. <laughs> he is second doink. That is yes, correct. He's doink the second. <laughs> but like I said, like we said, not a lot to write about this match because it wasn't much of a match to begin with. So Owen Hart goes over Skinner. And now we go into the main event, Hulk Hogan and Sid Justice. And some stuff leading up to this, they show Sid's slide into psychodom by not getting the shot at the WWF title yes. for WrestleMania, turning on Hulk Hogan on Saturday night's main event. Um, they show the footage of, of Vince McMahon interviewing Hulk Hogan on primetime wrestling. I think it was a primetime wrestling, or maybe it was a march to WrestleMania. I don't remember. But, um, you know, the very emotional, is this the last we'll see? Of Hulk Hogan as they're pushing that this might be Hulk Hogan's last match but Hogan emphasizes that he's not leaving if he does retire he's not retiring because of Sid so well this is also um, another um, instance of Hulk Hogan's actually the heel just saying yeah. <laughs> yes yes indeed yeah, you, see, you can say Sid turned on Hogan on the on Saturday night's main event, but if you ask me, Hogan turned on Sid first at the Royal Rumble. It's supposed to be every man for himself, and then Hogan's all butthurt because Sid eliminated him. What was Sid supposed to do? Eliminate himself? Selfish ass Hogan. <laughs> and this was the first time. I'm glad you brought that up. Because this was the first time as a kid where I called shenanigans on the WWF because uh, much like WrestleMania, I had went to my buddy's house to watch the Royal Rumble. So I watched the Royal Rumble live and that crowd was cheering the shit out of Sid. Yeah. And then the next week (laughs) on WWF superstars, when they showed that footage, when they rolled that beautiful bean footage, of the Royal Rumble, the crowd was mysteriously booing the shit out of Sid. <laughs> and I was like, what? That is not what I saw when I watched the Royal Rumble. <laughs> and you hear the crowd booing, and it sounds so overly done, but people are jumping up and down yeah. in the background. And, yeah, that was the first time as a kid where, like, you know, it kind of flipped my switch where I called bullshit on the promotion. Like, uh, what? <laughs> but, yeah. And then... uh of course, the Sid promo here where he calls uh, Gene Okerlund a fat, little ball-headed oaf. <laughs> fat, ball-headed little oaf. Oh. And Gene's like, oh. <laughs> and I bet mean, he does cut a passionate promo here. You know, I don't give a damn, et cetera, et cetera. It's very convincing. Um, and, you know, people can say what they want about Sid, and it sounds like he's going to get in the Hall of Fame and he deserves it. Uh when he was on, he was on. He was a great imposing heel. 
Um, and you know, I mean, Jesus Christ, we've talked about it before. If you're going to draw a professional wrestler, he's one of the, he's one of the guys you're going to draw the big jaw and the big shoulders and that he's tall and he's built and he's just fucking massive. So, so it, it, that's the first I heard that it sounds like Sid's going in this year. So, so yes. far it's, it's so far it's Taker, Vader, and Sid. Yeah, it's the big man year of the Hall yeah, of Fame. I think Vader, how do I say it? Like, to me, like, when guys go in, I'm more interested on, like, who are they going to pick to put him in? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I know Vince sounds like Vince is putting in Taker, which is fine. I would have. And I, I like think sometimes deep in the deep in my mindset sometimes like I was like, man, Godfather should do it. That's like it's his old buddy, you know what I mean? They start mm-hmm. whatever. But and then Vader, I think I think mankind is gonna do it. I do too. And then like we just brought up Sid. I'm like, there's like two people that I think would be putting Sid in, and one of them they're never gonna do. And I think Harvey Whippleman should do it. Cause that was this boy, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, but I think it'll, I, I have a feeling it'll be Sean. Yep. I, I, that's what I was about to say with Sean. As far as Vader goes, Mick's really their only option. If you're trying to get somebody that had, was integral in his career. Yeah. Cause, Cause I, I mean, mean, the other person's staying and he can't do it. Yeah. And Corny won't do it. Corny's not going to travel to do it and shit. Yeah. Um, Harley's passed on, of course. So maybe Stan Hansen, maybe, but, but yet the conservative pick is probably Mick. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I agree. They'll, maybe they'll bring his boy out and give him the thing and let him. And maybe that'll get him to sign him back because I actually like this kid. Yeah, kid worked there, but um, but yeah, I agree with with the Sid thing too. Probably Sean. Out of anybody that's available, you know, I mean, that would be the person he would be the most connected to, to anyone that's available. Yeah. And, um, um, and like, I don't want to say liked him because I, I think Sean just likes Sid. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The whole click does. Yeah. That's the other thing that like worked out good, like really good for Sid in like <laughs> 95 through 97 is that the click liked him. If those guys wouldn't like Sid, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Would have fucking destroyed him. Well, this match between Hulk and Sid is it's your basic Hulk Hogan big man match um, until the end. Um, Sid hits a power bomb on the Hulkster, um, the one two, and then Hogan kicks out. Of course, um, Hogan does the big brute boot, big brute, the big brute. He does the big boot, the leg drop, and then Sid kicks out. He kicks out of the leg drop. But here's the caveat, folks. He wasn't supposed to. And he didn't do it maliciously. He did it because the guy who's supposed to run in, who is a new character at this point in the WWF, Papa Shango. Was late. He was late. (laughs) Um, Some say he missed his cue. He says... Whoever to, was supposed to tell him out to go out to the ring missed their cue to tell him to go out to the ring. But either way, um, the kick out of the leg drop. Harvey Whippleman, being the pro that he is, improvises here. 
jumps in the ring, jumps on Hogan and gets the disqualification to still give the win to Hulk Hogan. And then, <laughs> I don't know. I, again, we've talked about it on the show before how much we all love the the uh, the Papa Shango character. Not a great introduction for him because then he just kind of wanders out to the ring. He doesn't run out or anything. He just kind of wanders out like he's <laughs> he's just been released from the hospital or whatever. A little stoned, which he yeah. probably was. So, like he should have an IV with him. Like he's, <laughs> but anyway, he comes out to the ring, and uh, Sid and Papa Shango proceed to beat up Hulk Hogan, and then it's the return of the Ultimate Warrior. <sighs> they play the music. Warrior comes out, saves Hulk Hogan, and the two of them celebrate in the ring to end WrestleMania Eight. First of all, the match. It is what it is. I have it down as two and a half stars because it's a spectacle. It's a Hogan match. Him and Sid him and Sid fit well together. But it's not it's by no means a technical masterpiece. And yeah. like you said, like you said earlier, the main events should have been flipped. Yeah, and um can you believe they tried to like make people believe that Kerry Von Eric was actually the ultimate warrior? <laughs> I remember, and you remember, those of you that weren't alive at the time or weren't wrestling. Terry Von Eric wasn't the ultimate warrior. No, but no, but it was a thing, people. Not even, not, not even, at some point, somebody wouldn't even say it was Kerry Von Eric. But because when the warrior left, he was insanely jacked. He was roided to the gills. And at this time, he had slimmed down a little bit. I mean, he's still very muscular. But I think he'd got off the gas for a while. Yeah. His and hair uh, wasn't, his hair wasn't like the feathered blonde deal. And mm-hmm. there literally people thought it was a different ultimate warrior. Yes. These are the same people that said the original undertaker died. So now there's a re there's a new undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wrestling fans. Like, what do you mean? There's a new undertaker. Well, the other one died. So that was a new Undertaker. Why do you think there's a new Undertaker? Well, well, he's got tattoos now. That's why you, you know people get tattoos, right? <laughs> you know, you might have a case if you said he had tattoos and now he has none. He doesn't. Yeah, he you doesn't. might have a case. You might have a case. But, yeah, the other way around, not so much. But, yeah, this, this Ultimate Warrior myth. And, and that was one of the rumors that the original Ultimate Warrior had died. Yes. And there was a new Ultimate Warrior. But, no, it was the same old... It was the same old piece of shit Jim Helwig yes. as the ultimate warrior here. But at this time, a really big deal. Yes. He's the example of what I was talking about before where a guy's a piece of shit, but he's also shitty at his job. Like he's the, uh, he's the opposite of Jake Roberts. Like he's a <laughs> shitty human being and he sucks at his job. So like, overall, oh, for every year that I get older, I hate the Ultimate Warrior even more. Just like, oh my god. There he is. Why did they even like you when I was 10? Because <laughs> you were because you were a stupid kid. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Your promos suck. I, your work sucks. And then I hear your fucking real life comments. It's like, ugh. Just I agree. Me. I absolutely agree with you though. Like over the years. As I watched, like as I grew as a fan and started looking at, at, at and I, I know Jim Jim Cornette hates the you know the the term work rate, 
He said nobody in a wrestling locker room has ever said the word work rate, but it's the it's it's the it's the it's the expression marks use. So I'm going to use it. As I grew up and appreciated work rate and realized when I was a kid, I didn't realize why I liked Mr. Perfect. And then as Bret Hart, but then as I grew up, I realized oh, I really liked watching them wrestle. But anyway, I'm getting to my point. As I grew up. I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, I see through a lot of the Hulk Hogan stuff now. But I would never, ever say, I don't like Hulk Hogan. I like to watch Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Ultimate Warrior is completely different. Like, yeah, if I, if, as far as Warrior goes, I'm watching it for the train wreck. I'm watching it for the, you know, the blood dripping through the veins and the stupid fucking, shit. This guy's junk. All right. All right. So, o- overall, our thoughts... WrestleMania eight. What rating did you give the show? I'd give it, I'd give it four out of five. Same. And like I said, it's because it's, it's like I said, it's like, it, it's not as much of this as like what the Royal rumble was, but it, like I said, it's like the, the ending of like some of these territory type people, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep. It's the it's the it's the literal end of the territory days. All those guys are fading away. Um like the the big big last hurrah is the Royal Rumble 92. Yeah. Where they're all in it. <laughs> but and then who wins? Rick Flair. It's like Rick Flair won Rick Flair he won, won the, the ter- Yeah, he won, he won the, the 80s. 80s. <laughs> Rick Flair won the 80s. And now we're moving on to WrestleMania 8. And like I said, kind of a transitional show. WrestleMania 9 is even more so. Um, But that being said, like I said, I'd say four out of five as well. And that is WrestleMania 8. And like I said, everyone, next week we are hoping to do WrestleMania 18 with the Hogan Rock, Triple H, and Chris Jericho. And then WrestleMania 28 the week after. And that is one of the Cena Rock WrestleManias, I believe. So any parting words for our listeners this week, Aaron? Just thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for contributing to the shows and keep on listening. We appreciate it. Absolutely, I agree. And uh until next week, we will see everybody. WrestleMania season is upon us. I hope everybody's out there is having a wonderful, wonderful week, and we'll see you next time around. Have a great week, everybody.